Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury. Welcome back to the Making Headway Podcast. This is Erin with Ellie today. Um, you guys might remember Ellie Gargano. She was in our season one. I cannot remember which episode, but... Um, She's our most listened to episode, so you've probably heard it because I think everyone in the brain injury community has listened to it, um, which is awesome. So hopefully we get these numbers again. Woohoo! Um, that's a personal plug for me. Um, so welcome back, Ellie. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be back on the podcast. Yeah, me too. And talk and about I- new things. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so let's, um, to just remind people, um, if you haven't listened to Ellie's episode, definitely go back and listen to it. Um, she survived a, uh, traumatic shooting. I guess all shootings are traumatic, but, um, she had a traumatic brain injury from a shooting at Las Vegas. Um, so for anyone that wants some more intimate details of what happened, definitely go back and listen to that. But how are you doing now? It's been what, how many years? Quite a while. It's been, it was the four year anniversary this year, which was so surreal for me. I felt like I'm sure a lot of brain injury people feel this way that their injury seemed like just yesterday, but also it was a long time ago. Hmm. Do you do anything on your anniversary day? You know, the previous three years I didn't, I kind of just ignored it and pretended like it didn't happen. And I was like, Oh, well, it's just another day. Um, but this year, for some reason, I don't know if it was just like the place that I'm at and my healing or how the length of time that it's been, I felt like really compelled to share. And so I, I made a little video on my Instagram and posted it um, on the anniversary day just to acknowledge the day and uh, just how 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 much it impacted people's lives. And I didn't want it to go unnoticed this year. For some reason, I felt compelled. No, I hear you, Ellie. Um, I just had my one year in May. Um, so I'm like, what, a year and a half out now. Um, and it felt really strange to just let the day go by and not do anything. But I, I think I because I'm in this podcasting space, I felt like I had to make a super big deal of it. And so I'll just tell a quick story. Um, (laughs) I wanted, like, I live in New Hampshire and we are like an hour from the city, an hour from the mountains. There's like lakes everywhere. It's beautiful. And there's a ton of great hikes. And everyone in my family locally hates hiking. So I thought I would use the day to force them (laughs) to do something that I wanted to do. And so I made them go hiking and it was supposed to be, It wasn't even supposed to be a hike. It was supposed to be like this little walk on like these wooded like paths so that we could see some waterfalls. And we got there and the trail was closed because apparently they were doing maintenance on the wooded things. So I decided I looked at the map and I'm like, oh, if we just walk this way, we can walk around it and get in on the backside and still see the waterfalls. And so my family, um, my mother-in-law and my husband listened to me, brain injured me. And it started like we got like it ended up being six miles to absolutely nowhere. Um, It started sleeting, which in California, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like ice falling from the sky. Yeah. And we were wearing like sneakers and not like hardcore hiking gear. And we ended up like at this river because it was in the springtime um that didn't have a bridge to go over it and I was still like gung-ho that we were going to do this thing and so like I could skip across really easy because I I hike and I'm used to it but like my mother-in-law ended up falling in she like bruised her bottom and it was like ice cold water and like she was all muddy and gross Troy is like scared of heights and like walked over a tree to get over like it uh, it was just bad. So we ended up turning around and I started crying. So I'm like, we didn't get to see the waterfalls. So I made this big deal out of nothing. That's long story short. <laughs> Honestly, I relate to that because I feel like most days I wake up and I have this expectation that my day is going to go smooth or just I want to have a smooth day like I used to before my brain injury. I feel like most days routine you wake up and you do your thing maybe things don't go your way but you don't get as rattled 
But now if I have an expectation like that, like I have, I have an idea in my mind how I want my day to go. And I, I want to wake up and journal and meditate or go for a walk. And that's my day. But then if something throws me off and like that, like something unforeseen, mm-hmm. I get really, really worked up about it and I can't just let it go. And I'll have a breakdown. Like you just said, crying. Yep. Like, <laughs> why can't I just want the other day? I, I almost didn't make it to my eyebrow appointment and I was bawling. Like, I just want to wake up and be able to go to my eyebrow appointment like a normal person. But, mm. and I, I made it, but it was, I was bawling before and I barely made it. I almost canceled. So I feel like, I'm not sure if that's yeah. a brain injury thing. I think it is like just being in control of your reactions. Yeah. Like clinically it's emotional regulation issues. Like a lot of us, um, you know, I honestly, I don't know any brain injury people who don't have this. So I think it's probably pretty common. Um, but just, yeah, having that like normal, normal, I don't even know what normal is anymore. Um, emotional responses to things. Um, it's like, we're all a little bit younger. Like I call it my angry toddler, Like, literally, if I don't go to bed when I'm supposed to go to bed, I'm that little kid that's, like, storming around the house, throwing things on the floor and being naughty and saying things I shouldn't, and I start crying. Oh, yeah. It's it's messy. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. You make me feel – you just made me feel so much more seen because I call it that, too. I say I revert to my childlike state. I Mm -hmm. will throw a – it's a literal tantrum like a child. Yeah. I'll cry. I'll scream. I'll yell at strangers. I'm not confrontational, like at yep. all. And Me I will, too. if I'm in that state of mind, I will yell at people mm-hmm. that I don't know. I will mm-hmm. throw things, break things. And I've never been that way before. And yeah, you're right. It's it's the ability to emotionally regulate when we are already so heightened because of the trauma mm-hmm. and the brain injury. Mm-hmm. And it's like, for me, it's the hardest thing because it comes on. It's like I have a temper now. And I never used to have a temper. Like an example, I went um, in between two appointments. I went to try to get some labs drawn. And like everyone, they're understaffed. They don't have people. So I was sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And I was just like, why can't I just get my freaking labs drawn? Like I could poke, like they could give me the needle and I could poke it in my arm. I know how to do it. Like, just let me do it. And they wouldn't. And I like flipped out on them. And I felt like such a jerk after I left because I was just like, you know, I should be able to go in and get my labs drawn. And to me, it was all about me. And then after I was like, holy crap, I was such a bitch. Like, I hate using that word, but I really was. I was a bitch. Um, And I don't like myself like that. But, on, you know, I guess having awareness, this is my thing that I'm trying to live by, but having awareness allows me to make a choice. So now I know next time, you know, half an hour is not enough to get your labs drawn. Like, don't try to wedge it in between. It's not their fault that they only have one person working and they should have three. Um, I just have to be nicer, I guess. I totally get that. Yeah. I, I've had to apologize. I've had to learn how to apologize to people. Um, for my actions and reactions, because I've been a total B to people too mm-hmm. on the phone, especially on the phone. I've been mm-hmm. very um, tenacious. Because mm-hmm. I like your me, vocabulary. But... <laughs> I'm like, I'm a bitch. And I get like, feisty. <laughs> right? No, well, it's like but I if just, they can't yeah, see no. you, you can be meaner when they can't see you. Exactly. And I've had to pull back before and say, I'm so sorry. I. I'm having anxiety right now and it's making me freak out on you. And I I know this isn't your fault. I I just can't handle it right now. So that's an amazing skill. The fact that you can catch it in the moment, because I can't, mine's, mine's hindsight. I I can't say, I shouldn't say I can't. I am not there yet. Um, My hindsight is after the fact. Sometimes I can do it in the moment and other times no, absolutely not. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. no doing that in the moment sometimes. Do you but find yeah, yours test? To- oh, go ahead. It's no, something. go ahead. I was just going to say, do you find when you're more tired that it gets worse? Um. Yeah, prob- probably that's, I haven't really been tracking 
it, like with specific um, metrics. But mm-hmm. I, I do believe that when I'm more tired and don't get good sleep, that it's worse. I also believe that I wake up already at a level two or three level anxious um, that I didn't used to before my injury just because my body's just in a more heightened state of awareness all the time. Mm-hmm. So I wake up a little bit anxious and then I go about my day and if, if somebody just kind of rubs me the wrong way, it might move me to a level four or five and then another thing happens mm-hmm. that's inconvenient and nobody's fault and it moves me to a five or six and then you never know that one person could just mm-hmm. catch me at a 10 and catch me yelling at you. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. just not who I am. Mm-hmm. But it is. And and I've had to um, realize that, oh my gosh, like that's not who I want to be, but that's who people see me as. If you or someone you know is struggling to recover after brain injury like a stroke, take a free online assessment at modusnova.com forward slash making headway to see if their robots can help boost your recovery. If you are struggling with stroke recovery, take the free online assessment at modusnova.com forward slash making headway to learn if Modus can help you recover. And a quick shout out to our sponsor, Headache Nutritionist. Be sure to check her out at www.headachenutritionist.com. Generous sponsors like Susanna and donations are what keep us on air. Thank you. Well, just so you and know, I've never seen you like that. <laughs> Not that I see you in your day to day. But yeah, most people don't, though. Most people that I know, even my close friends don't. I hide it very, very well. And only really my like really close, intimate partner knows. And um, but I've had if you've seen me in public, I mean, if you've I've had a pub, a few public freakouts and um, or tantrums, I guess you could call them, mm-hmm. um, where I've just my my significant other had to leave me because I looked like I was just going out of my mind and I was yelling at people and and he was like, "This is dangerous for me to be near you because you're causing a scene in public." So mm-hmm. I've I've like. I've totally gone off the rail in public. So strangers might've seen me. Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but- me too. And you feel so embarrassed afterwards because it takes a while, at least for me, it takes me a while to calm down and to be able to see that oh, I yeah. was overreacting um, because in the moment it feels like it's right that I have a righteous anger, you know, like I should be this angry. It's okay. <laughs> it feels good. Yeah. It feels yeah. good in the moment. Like this is so embarrassing to admit, but I had a total breakdown at an outdoor mall here in California. And I decided that I was going to walk home because I was so pissed. And I just, that was what I was going to do. And I was screaming at random people, like a, a girl walked too close to me. And I thought, and I, and I said to her, like, can you get away? Like you're way too close to me. And I, I would mm-hmm. never confront somebody like that. And mm-hmm. so it's, it, it does. And in that moment, it took me walking home. It took me probably three hours to come down um, mm. until I realized, OK, I was out of control. People probably thought I was crazy looking. Um, but in the moment, I'm fired up and I am yep. justified. Like you said, it's yep. justified. I don't care. Nobody can get in my way. And I'm looking for that fight. I think some mm-hmm. a part of me is angry. And if I I want someone to engage with me in that moment so that I can mm-hmm. lash out my anger on them. Mm-hmm. Just to release it instead of like, that's how yeah. I felt. I'm like, I feel like, like you said, I wake up maybe at a five, maybe not a two, although it's getting better. Maybe now I'm more like a three, um, but I'll wake up at like a five of either, you know, I'm either that on uh, a scale. Of, okay. Let me start over. I wake up at a five on a scale of zero to 10 of either, you know, 10 could either be me like melting down in tears or me lashing out at someone. And sometimes I will be like, this is not fair. I always have to feel this all the time. Someone else should have to feel it too. And that's when I lose it. And I kind of am nasty when I probably shouldn't be, but it's because of that 
I don't know. Like it just so like you said, some of it feels so unfair. Have you found anything? Well, so you said conscious. It is. Yeah. So you're not even aware of it till like you said after three. Like yep. for me, hours later when I finally come down, it's a physical. I can feel like the tension in here rising in my mm. chest, and then it finally calms down hours later. And mm. uh, yeah, what helps you calm down? Have you found anything? Um, I am working on right now trying to feel safe in my own body, trying to feel, create a sense of peace within myself that can't be taken away no matter what the situation. So right now I'm really focusing on, I say this mantra or affirmation to myself, like I am safe in my body. I am safe in my body in this moment right now. I am safe. I am okay. And so I can create this, kind of feeling of peace within myself, within my chest. And when I'm out in the world, this is the practice part that I'm not really there yet, but I'm working on it, is for when I'm out in the world and those triggers happen that I can pause, take a second and return to that space of safety that I created so that I return to peace and that I don't lash out. Um, but that's a work in progress. I'm definitely, it's, it happens sometimes. Sometimes I'm able to do it and I'm like, wow, pat myself on the back. Other times it doesn't happen. And I'm like, well, I have to try again another day. Mm -hmm. That's this whole thing is like that. I feel like, like every day is a practice. And I, I honestly think we share a perspective that the rest of the world should have because nobody in this world is perfect. And nobody starts every day on top of their game, really. Like they're practicing things that they've learned that have worked, but it could just as easily not work and they might have to change their mind or do something different. Um, so in that way, yeah. we're, you know, we have a leg up because at least we recognize it. I'm sorry. I'm always right. trying to find like the bright side. <laughs> so I'm like something in this no. has got to be good. <laughs> I do too. I try to find the bright side as much as possible too. Otherwise... You could just get so caught up in the negative and bog. I could get bogged down every day. I mean, it yeah. could be so easy to choose that. Yeah, and I have found um, that when I'm more tired, I lose my ability to control the monster in me. Um, yeah. Like, I really, really, really have to be well-rested. And it doesn't even mean that I had to have eight hours of sleep. Sometimes I'll have eight hours of sleep and not be rested at all because the day before I went shopping, like that's what I'm in right now. Like I felt I've just started driving again. I haven't driven for three mm -hmm. months. And I, on Friday, I was able to drive myself to my rehab appointments and I had three of them, which I've never had three in one day before. And it was snowing. So like driving oh, in the gosh. snow is like a totally different game. And I didn't even think about it leaving the house. I was like, nope, I'll be fine. And I was fine. I got there, did great, rocked my therapy. But then I got my hair done and it was supposed to be like two hours later, but I moved the appointment up so that I wouldn't have to go back out in the snow because I was thinking, oh, we're in a snowstorm. I should get everything done all at once, which in hindsight yeah. was probably a bad idea um, because then I had my hair appointment. Then I had to go get new glasses and I had to drive in the snow again. So it was like thing after thing after thing. So then I got home and like I laid on the couch and watched. Um, have you watched the show Insecure on HBO? No, I haven't, but I, oh, I've seen it. I like it. Um, so I was like binging that and I got um, an email about my short term disability paperwork and my husband, like, that he works in it, so he understands it. So I showed it to him. I'm like, is this anything that I need to do right now? And I could not for the life of me figure out what he was trying to tell me. But it got me so anxious because I thought I had to get up off the couch and, like, be a rational person and, like, get forms to people and do this and do that. And I couldn't. And I, like, started falling apart. And he he's learned now. Like, he he used to react to me when I would be like that. And then we'd have a fight. But he learned that he had to be like, OK, everything's fine. You don't need to do anything. And he walked away and I didn't follow him because I was too tired. Thank God. 
Um, so it didn't turn into a fight and it ended up being fine. But I found and then like the next day, I still had like that hangover from like using up all my energy. And still, even today, I still have like not as much energy and can't tolerate as much because I burnt it all off mm. a few days ago. And then it's harder totally. to control your emotions. Yeah. I absolutely get that. Um, I, well, I'm four years into my injury, but when I first was in the first year, in hindsight now, looking back, I did way too much right away. I went straight back into, I didn't go back to work, but I went back to seeing my work friends. I went to my Christmas hall. I got shot in October. I went to my Christmas holiday party in December because I just thought that that was a good idea. And I just wanted to be around my friends and coworkers. Um, but which you could have needed, you probably needed the psychological support. Yeah. Yes, of course. But in hindsight, was it too much? Did I push myself too far too soon? I think yes. And I forced, um, a lot of things to happen that I didn't need to do, um, going on trips so that I didn't miss out on things with my friends. And in hindsight, I gave myself a bit of a disservice because, it created this illusion that Ellie's the same as she was and she can still do everything and go to everything and she's going to be fine. There's going to be no differences because that's how mm-hmm. I acted. Like I was fine and I'm going to be the same. And mm-hmm. uh, But Me too. as time's gone on, I realized that that's not the case. And one of the things that we've talked about before, Erin, too, is I'm so stubborn and I want to do everything the way that I used to do it. Um, I, I, it's so funny. I was just telling my parents this the other day when they were over. Um, I used to make to-do lists, like one big to-do list for work or whatever, personal and work together. One big to-do list. I'd look at it and then I'd say, what are the top three things in my mind to get done today? Cool. Check, check, check. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And now I make these, I have on my phone notes, 50 different to-do lists with, I never check any of, I never finish them. I never get them done. And if I do, I I do about 5% of 10 different tasks and not 100% of one. Mm -hmm. So it's so frustrating for me because I'm like, why is this to-do list that I've been always doing not working? Mm -hmm. And it's so funny that just, Just last week, um, I randomly was making a to-do list and my mind decided to make it in a different way. It decided to chunk them like instead of one long list and then me like thinking, how do I prioritize? My brain decided to make a list in chunks of like, okay, Ellie's desk tasks. Okay, for today, Ellie's going to sit down at her desk and just make these three phone calls and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow, Ellie's going to work on these Brave the Label tasks at her desk. Um, and then the next day, I have to go to do my errand day. I'm going to do UPS, FedEx, and the post office. So instead of um, – and I haven't even committed to, to doing the, that yet, so I don't know if it's going to work out. But mm-hmm. in my mind, I was like, oh, why didn't I create a list like this before chunked differently in a way that could help me? Because – like you said, you burn yourself out running a thousand errands. I used to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, go to a workout class, come home, um, work for three hours on the computer. Then I'll go to the post office and drop off my package. On the way home, I'll scoop up groceries and then I'll make dinner. And then, you know, maybe I'll work a little more. There's mm-hmm. no way that my brain can bounce through all those nope. different things anymore. So I have to find a way to simplify it for myself. And it's taken me four years to even get to the point to acknowledge that, okay, your old way is not working for you. What can we do different? So that is amazing. First of all, that you figured that out and, um, to take it for anyone that's not like for me, I'm not at the point where I can prioritize it mentally. Like I wouldn't be able to write that list out because I have like 600 things like swirling in my head and I have to get them all on paper before I forget them because my memory is not that great. So um, what I had to do, because I'll get anxious thinking I need to remember this thing and knowing I'm going to forget it. Um, So once I figured that out, I did my to do list like you do, but I started putting them on sticky notes. So this was something my life coach, Joanne Susie, helped me with. Um, So each thing I put on a sticky note and then I put the sticky notes all away in a drawer and take a break 
like once I get everything spilt out. Then I'll go back and look and see um, what's the due date for each thing. And then I leave them all in my drawer, except for the one I'm going to work on. Um, so once I organize them by due date, then I have like a calendar of, you know, these are due here. These are due here. These are due here. And then I can actually visually see like which one's the priority, which ones are due sooner. And I only take one out of my drawer because if I used to have my whole list on my desk and I would just perseverate all day over the list and how I'll never get it all done. And I literally would sit there like I caught myself for like two hours one day just sitting staring at my list and I didn't do any work. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, that helped. But it sounds like you're at the more advanced where you can kind of like prioritize it in your brain and get it out in a way that makes sense. Maybe. Which is awesome. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. I, I made the list, but I haven't done it yet. So <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see if it helps. But um I like that sticky note idea because it's true. I I do that too. I look at the list and then I get overwhelmed mm -hmm. and then I get anxious and then I just am like, nope, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow because I just, I can't. Yep. I just give up on all of and it rather than doing any of it. I give up so easily. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. And it's so, so frustrating because that's not, you know, how we are. Right. So, it, I mean, it sounds like, you know, for work, we have some strategies like doing the listing. And I guess that helps get me through like every day. Um, and then I really just to circle back to what you do to kind of calm yourself down and even be able to get to the point of writing a list um, that making that inner peace. Um, I really liked that. And I don't think I really got a chance to comp to compliment you on that. I, I think that's that's really great. Um, and it's something that we. I feel like as like brain injury survivors where we're living life a different way because we're forced to, but I almost wonder if it's the way that everyone should have to live or that not have to, I hate those like hard and fast rules, but I wonder if it really is the better way to live because we're forced to really put a lot of thought into every single activity we're going to do. And how is it going to make me feel? And how is it going to affect, like, not just today, but how is it going to affect how I feel tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day? Um, and we're really, like, able to prioritize the things that are most important in life rather than just running the rat race, like what we were doing before brain injuries. I totally agree with that, Erin. Um, having a brain injury and having to rethink everything you do because what you do consumes your energy, like you said, for later. And, um, it, it's true. Like I, I, I struggle with it internally because I'm like, so it's so normalized that we should be producing all the time that we should be, um, working and getting promoted and doing all these things all the time. And, you know, eating healthy, exercising, there's just so much that we have to keep up with. And now I really do take one task at a time. And I think, what is this important for me to do? Um, if I go to this event or hang out with these people, am I going to feel really drained for three days after? Then maybe I shouldn't go. And I think that's something that all people should do. Like you said, take, mm -hmm. take kind of inventory of your life and the energy that you're giving and where you're giving your energy to. And is that servicing you and for brain injured people it's a lot it's more complex but I think it's something anyone could relate to that mm -hmm. need that that underlying need or feeling that we need to be in the rat race that we need to constantly do something mm -hmm. it, it gives me anxiety like thinking that I'm not where I'm supposed to be or that I'm not doing enough um and I'm trying to you know use my personal platform on Instagram to share about my own story and to share about healing and, and resources for trauma survivors and brain injury survivors. But I can't keep up with my page isn't growing mm -hmm. as fast as I want, but, but that's because I just can't produce that amount of content. I can't make a video to post every single day. I can only maybe make videos, batch create them once a month, and then that's all I have. And it's, Who says I can't keep need up to, with though. everybody. I exactly. That's, and that's the thing yeah. is I've, yeah, I've learned that it's okay. I, it, yeah. even though I feel anxious inside, like I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough. Why it's, that's just societal standards and I am doing enough for what I can do and it's mm -hmm. okay. 
Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, I mean, I'm someone who follows your Instagram. You do the right amount. Um, Because honestly, people that are posting like three, four, five, six things a day, like I don't, first of all, have time to look at all of it. So who's seeing this content? And second of all, I think it waters down their message because then I see the same thing so much that I'm just like, blah, over it. Um, Mm. So it's kind of nice to have yours like just kind of pop up here and there because then it stands out because it's special rather than just blending in with all the other ones. But I did know that you batched created. Cause I noticed yeah, I loved I'm your sweater. I loved your sweater. And I'm like, she's wearing it again. And it was just recently where I'm like, Oh, she probably doesn't wear the same sweater every single day. She probably recorded these all on one day. <laughs> I record them all on one day. So then, I like it. Cause I can't, yeah, I can't get ready. Like I, I can't, I mean, it's not that I have to do my hair and makeup to make these videos, but I just like to, you know, put on a cute outfit and, and look my best. Mm-hmm. And I just, don't have the energy to do that every day and then to film and edit. And it's just, yeah. that's a lot. And so yeah, it is. I have to take my time. Yep. So I don't think anyone, excuse me. I don't think anyone I've recorded with actually one person I've recorded with has seen me in makeup. Everyone else does not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I distinctly recall it because the person I was recording with was like, wow, you look really good. You must be sleeping well. And I'm like, nope, it's oh. just because I have eye makeup on. Just makeup. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to look like every day when I go out. But nope. <laughs> no. I don't need it anymore. My skin's no. healthier because of beautiful. it. Exactly. Me yes, too. You are. <laughs> yeah. Are you finding it hard to recover at home after a stroke? Modus Nova makes robotic devices to help folks with a brain injury regain the use of their affected limbs. Recovery after stroke takes thousands of hours of work that isn't all covered in outpatient therapy. Whether you're 10 days or 10 years post-stroke, recovery is still possible. You just need many hours of rehab to make that happen. The Modus hand or foot are AI-powered robotic exoskeletons that help users do exercises through the playing of video games similar to the way an occupational or physical therapist might work with your limb. Recovery after stroke is hard because stroke survivors don't get enough hours of rehab to regain function. Find out if Modus Nova can help you by taking their free online assessment at modusnova.com slash making headway. Modus Nova help survivors with little or no movement get moving again. They help you get in the repetitions you need to form new neural pathways. Through playing video games, the robotic hand and foot can assist with limb movements to provide a personalized exercise experience. If this sounds like something you want to try, visit modusnova.com slash making headway to learn more. Make sure to use special code making headway when you sign up and get a month free with the 30-day challenge. Visit modusnova.com slash making headway to get started. That's M-O-T-U-S-N-O-V-A dot com slash making headway. So we've touched on a lot and I want to kind of drive it back to, um, so having emotional dysregulation is really, really hard on us, but it's also really, really hard on our caregivers to deal with emotional dysregulation. Um, because commonly, at least for me and my relationship, I will be saying one thing, but my tone is something very different. So I may be saying something that makes me happy, but my tone is angry and kind of that B word again. I, I need to come up with a better word. Um, tenacious. <laughs> uh, it, you know, so it doesn't always match. Like I don't know. My tone doesn't always match my words, which then can really set him off because he doesn't know what message I'm trying to put out um, because I don't know what message I'm trying to put out. Um, can you relate to that? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I can. Um, I I relate to that with exactly what you just said. Um, my 
I don't even mean to say things rudely. I've become a very rude person Mm -hmm. to my close people close to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Very like impatient um, and very snappy. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean it that way. And sometimes I say things in a rude tone and, and my, my boyfriend that I live with is, he's like, uh, what? (laughs) But we've had to learn, we've, we've had to learn over time how to, um, communicate with each other and how, cause it, it causes fights and it causes arguments. But then once you start getting into the arguments that we've been having over and over again, we realized none of those arguments are really about us. It's, mm-hmm. it's always something else that's underlying. It's always that I'm actually anxious about something and I'm just not speaking it. So I'm, I'm having a harsher tone and then you perceive that as one way. And then we, you know, go from mm-hmm. there. So we've kind of realized that when we are, if, if it does turn into an argument because of something that we, we try now to take a step back and say, what's the real problem here? Like, what's really going on with you today? Like, are you okay? And most of the time, the answer is actually, no, I'm not. There's something that's been on my mind and I'm just not sharing it. And then that makes sense. Okay, why don't you just tell me that? And now we can, we can have so a better mature. understanding. I wish I it's, had that. We, have we are not that graceful. Million- no don't like seriously we've been together for eight years so we've been learning and then my brain injury was four years ago so yeah so half your relationship has been this way I've been with my husband for 2005 however many years that is or 2004 so 17 Mm -hmm. years almost 18 wow holy crap that's like an adult child um, so, and we've only had one and a half years to learn this new way to communicate. Um, so yeah. thank you, actually. You just helped me be like, okay, I'm not too far behind. <laughs> no, not at all. It's, it takes so long to figure out. And then you're both your own people. You both have mm-hmm. your own um, upbringing and own way of looking at the world. And your person did not experience what you experienced, but they experienced it in a different way. And a lot of the times I think that's overlooked too with our caretakers and people that live with us or take care of us is that, um, I don't mean to speak for, for mine, but a lot of the times I know for years and even now still people always, the first thing they ask him is how's Ellie, mm-hmm. how's Ellie doing never. And then, Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. How, what about you though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody asks about him. Mm-hmm. Nobody asks, how are you? How has this been for you? And it's so emotionally hard for both of us. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the, I don't think our, yeah. Yeah. And no, I agree with you. I don't think it's looked at enough. And I think it speaks to those of us who are high enough functioning where most people don't see us struggling um, because they don't know to ask. They don't know that something's off um, because we're so good at hiding it. But. Yeah. We're both here to say. People aren't mind readers. (laughs) Exactly. People are not mind readers. So we have to learn how to communicate that. Mm -hmm. And I, when I started therapy, I like was a really bad communicator. I didn't, I I still am not the best. I I have a really hard time with um, like identifying my feelings and, and then expressing them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times I just kind of internalize everything. I'm really hard on myself. And then. I'm in, I'm in denial a lot. I, I'm like denial queen is what I like to say. <laughs> I, I like to just pretend like everything's fine and, and I'm going to be fine. Everything's good. And then later on when it's not, I realize that I, I should have been honest at the beginning. Mm-hmm. That sounds a lot like me too. Cause I kind of let like little, I let a lot of little things slide by, slide by, slide by at the detriment of myself, you know, things that annoy me or whatever. I just tuck it under the rug and tell it's the size of an elephant and there's just a daisy that falls or something silly and I totally fall apart. And it's because I've been sweeping so much under the rug. I no longer have anything. And I've always been like that, but I'm just, I think now I'm even worse at covering it up. And when I fall apart, I fall apart big time. It's not five minutes of crying by myself. It's a temper tantrum and being mean to people and 
so on and so forth. And yeah. And after those tantrums that we're talking about, for me, they last hours and I seriously can't calm down for hours. Like, Mm. and then by the end of it, I'm exhausted. It's like drained all of my energy. And then I don't want to do anything or see anyone. And so it's, it's really a vicious cycle of like, that causes exhaustion, that causes more anxiety and depression because they're just trying to figure all of it out. So my speech therapist was really helpful. Um, I have a new one. So in the past, we had Jen Freeburn on. Um, She was my speech therapist out of Boston, but I got one a little more locally to me. Her name's Rita. And she um, has this thing called the push-crash cycle. So she says, you know, like, like, if you look at a graph, like there's a line at the top that's like your threshold, that if you go over that line, you know, you will crash. She said the key is keeping us, you know, you can get close to the line, but you should always stay under it and never try to go over it. So she's really been Mm -hmm. trying, like she's put that thought in my mind so that I can start thinking about what things are going to push me over that crash threshold. And for me, it was what I did Friday, you know, putting together how many, five appointments plus driving in a snowstorm. Um, Too much. Old me, totally fine. I would have rocked it and I would have come home and I would have gone out at night and been all dressed up and looked good. Um, New me cannot do any of that. Um, Yeah. And so it's just being conscious of that. And like, even though I know it, you know, just understanding some days I'm going to do really great and stay on top of all of it and not go over my threshold. And other days I'm going to mess up. And that's okay. I just need to make sure the next day is a down day so I can sleep. (laughs) Exactly. You have to give yourself so much grace during this Mm -hmm. time because if you don't, it's, you'll be so sad because you'll just be defeated. Yeah. And it gets you like, you mentioned um, how you were able to pretend for a long time right after your uh, injury that everything was okay. And you kind of stood in and was able to do it. Um, I did that same thing, Um, especially the first time I went back to work. I was off um, for four months and then I went back to work for 10 months before I crashed again and had to go out. Um, But during those 10 months, everyone was like, wow, like, you're so amazing. Like you can't even tell that anything happened and blah, 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 blah. And it kind of got to my head um, because it kind of got me thinking that I was the same. I'm like, oh, well, if they can't see it, then maybe I'm just making it up. And I actually got like super depressed. Like I was very depressed through it because I think I was always running on empty and trying to pretend that I had more to give when I really didn't. And I burnt the candle on both ends until I literally fizzled out. Um, I forget why I went on this tangent, but it had something to do with something we were talking about. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess our listeners are going to hear what it really is like to have a brain injury. Because <laughs> we've had to take several pauses where we're like, what are we talking about? And why are we talking about it? I don't know. I think uh, it just I think we learn in hindsight that it it doesn't do anyone any good to pretend that we're better than we were. And yes. uh, including our loved ones, like our caregivers at home, if you're pretending everything's OK and then all of a sudden it's not like when it's not OK, it's really not OK. And they get the brunt of all of that. And yes. the, they must be exhausted. I mean, honestly, I'm exhausted. I don't know how they make it through. Yeah. And I think that they get very little support compared to us normally. Um, Yeah. And I think that it's important that people that look after us or spend a lot of time with us get help too and and to process their side. For me, um, you know, I went through something really traumatic, but so did my boyfriend who saw it on the other end. So and same for your husband. It's Mm -hmm. traumatic for them and they have a lot to process too and they need help too. What type of help have you seen as being helpful? Like therapy? Therapy and um, there's just a lot of things. Um, yeah. Probably like for meditation me and mindfulness. Yeah. Yeah. Meditation, mindfulness, uh, therapy and medication for me. 
Um, Me too. I'm on meds too. Yeah. I feel like I have to <laughs> mark a spade when I see one. Yeah, my... What? I said I feel like I have to... Uh, I don't even know what... what um what I'm trying to say, but just that I need to call a spade when I see one, like that I'm on meds too. I don't want anyone to listen to the show and think that this is all just me being so mindful and peaceful because I'm not. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, no. And the meds medication has helped me in to be able to get to that state where I can Mm -hmm. calm myself down and take a pause because there was a point where like you said, you're at your, at your point in your journey where you can't take a pause because you physically are so worked up. There's just, there's no way. Um, I think my therapist said once that um, when we're in fight or flight or super anxious, our uh, rational part of the brain literally turns off. So we can't take that pause and that second and say, well, you need to calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, Mine said that too. And she explained it like she explained after brain injury, our brains, our bodies literally tried to die on us. So our bodies and our brains get stuck in fight or flight, um, fight, flight or freeze um, way longer than they should. So that's activating that little wizard brain, that little part in the middle that's um, not as well developed. And it kind of shuts out all the other areas because it's trying to keep you alive. Like and that's that's um, commendable. Like we need our brains to keep us alive and keep our hearts pumping and us breathing. But we're still walking around this planet looking like normal human beings stuck in that state. And you aren't able to think rationally, like you said, like you aren't. You know, like when that person was walking too close, like it's because you probably felt like encroached upon, like this is danger, danger. Um, And like, I I get that same feeling a lot. Um, And it's just because we just aren't meant to live in that state for as long as our brains have us there. And you have to kind of relearn how to use the other parts of your brain and get out of fight, fight, or I can't say this, fight, flight, or freeze. (laughs) Mm -hmm. some of my speech deficits from my stroke (laughs) identical twin brother Luke suffered a brain injury 10 years ago I saw firsthand how long and difficult the road to recovery is and how little support is available before Luke's injury we were both engineers at the University of Oxford and we are now committed to helping others find purpose, fulfillment, and happiness enabled by technology. And we need your help. We're looking for survivors, warriors, and family members for feedback and testing to help us build something amazing. And we're not selling anything. Please go to newmind.co.uk forward slash making headway. That is N-E-U-M-I-N-D dot co dot uk forward slash making headway all with no spaces hopefully we get to chat soon thank you like when i first got diagnosed with ptsd i and started having mental health issues arise i i was in so much denial i i seriously was like no there's no way i'm fine there's and i it's it all kind of started for me the mental health stuff I started seeing it pretty soon after I returned home from Las Vegas um I wasn't I started settling back into home and I wasn't able to sleep um I would brush my teeth wash my face have a great day do everything normal thinking I'm totally fine and then the second my head would hit the pillow it would just be like instant Mm. weight on my chest like a ton of bricks like I couldn't breathe And then I couldn't sleep and I just did not understand that. So I was like, what Mm. is going on? And then I asked uh, my therapist and they explained what was going on and it was anxiety. So I got medication for that and that helped me sleep. And then I thought I was fine. And, you know, I was like, oh, okay, that's just a small sleep problem. You know, that makes sense. I was just in the hospital. I probably just can't sleep. Then I started seeing um, uh, thoughts, like a lot of negative thoughts arise Um, I would be in public and I would 
the more that I would go out and do things and test myself after my injury, like trying to go to restaurants and shopping, I would start having these thoughts like, oh, should I sit on, maybe I should sit on this side of the table so I could see the door still in case. Mm. Or maybe I should, maybe I, if something happens right now, should I hide under the table or should I run out the the back door right there? Like, where's this nearest exit? Mm. So then I was constantly thinking and looking and having this state of fight or flight Mm. always just activated because I couldn't calm those thoughts down. Which also makes sense when you think about what the cause of your injury was. Like in that state, you needed to know how to get out and to get to the nearest exit and to get away. But our brains don't know when to stop doing that. My body doesn't want it to happen again. Right. Yeah, it just doesn't want it to happen again. Which is smart. Uh, It is smart and it is protecting me. And in some ways, the hypervigilance is good because I'm aware of my surroundings and I'm not going to be victimized. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't walk around on my phone you know, and like a idiot anymore, because I just, I'm not naive <laughs> that bad yeah. things can happen. Yeah. Um, but with that, I, I was able with therapy over time to calm those negative thoughts. I didn't have them anymore. I, I would go out in places and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm not thinking or my thoughts aren't racing. Um, but then I started getting physical symptoms that weren't attached to the thoughts. Mm. So I would go to places and be like, Oh, I'm fine, because I'm not having racing thoughts. But my body would be sweating, I would feel like I was going to faint or pass out when I went to the mall after going to like two stores. And then I would be like, what is going on? Like, I feel like if I don't leave right now, I feel like I can't see I feel like if I don't sit down and leave right now, I'm gonna pass out. And so then I brought that up and realized I was having panic attacks. And it wasn't my fault. Like I I knew in my brain, I walk around saying, I know nothing's going to happen. I know the probability is low, but my body's just not there. So that's where I'm at with it is that my body and brain connection is not in sync. Doesn't that suck? I don't know if if that's happening. I totally, I feel that like logically, I know everything's fine. My brain is healed. It's everything's okay. It's not going to happen again. But every time I get a headache that's in my right neck up into my head where my bleed was, it makes me think about that. And then I start I don't even freak out. It's just it. It stops me from wanting to do certain things, I guess, like working out too hard. If I feel that feeling, well, I don't want to work out harder because I have that headache that I had when I was working out and I got a stroke. Like, how do I know I'm not going to have a stroke? Um, it's crazy, but statistics say I shouldn't. So it's really hard. It's really hard to get out of that PTSD kind of loop. Um, and I think a lot of people probably have it. Like we've all been traumatized in some way or another. When your brain's injured, you had to go through something horrible for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think there is any one magic bullet. So I'm glad to hear you say like meds allows you to get to the place where you can do it. Cause I think a lot of people too think I'm just going to take this pill and it's going to go away. And no, <laughs> that's not the case. Yeah. Um, unless yeah. you drug me to sleep, like I'm never not thinking. There's no magic pill for any of this. It's like mm-hmm. constant work and constant figuring out what's working for you and what's not. And how, how constantly reevaluating and checking in on yourself. Like, is this, is this working for me or should I change something? But it's hard because we're very used, we're creatures of habit. We like to do things how we always do them. And to try to like change in the moment when things are happening is really hard. Mm -hmm. It definitely is. I just heard um, something that was um, interesting for me to think about on um, we can do hard things. Do you listen to that podcast with Glennon Doyle? No, I don't. Oh, no, but I love a, that same. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. Um, to, she wrote the book. Yeah, it's a really good one. Um, She wrote the book Untamed. I don't know if you heard of that one. Oh, I have the book. Yeah. Yeah. So the person who wrote yet, that, but I have it. <laughs> it's an amazing, amazing book. And I would almost say listen to it on Audible because she reads it and it's even that much better. Ooh, okay. Um, But so uh, her podcast just goes through a whole bunch of hard like hard things and she's been like she was a bulimic when she was younger she was an alcoholic 
Um, she's overcome a lot in her life. Um, she found out late in life after having kids that she was actually gay. Um, so she's she's overcome a lot and built an amazing empire. But in one of her episodes, she was talking about how so like the voices in our heads, she's like a way to think of that differently. She's like, don't think of yourself as the speaker. Think of yourself as the listener. So it's not you. It's not you screaming out all these things. You are just a listener observing and then you can make a choice about what it is that's actually real and what it is that you actually want to act on. And yeah. I don't have that mastered by any um, way, but like every, my therapist would always tell me, well, you just have to like sit with your feelings, like learn how to sit with your feelings. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? I feel every day. I sit every day. It's not getting any better. I don't know what you mean. That's what, Right. I just made a reel about that on Instagram. Um, oh, I missed when it. When your therapist tells you to observe what comes up. And my therapist says that as in like, to be a conscious observer is what she calls it. Like mm -hmm. what you're talking about. When things are going on, can you remove yourself and pause and then make a choice of how you want to act and not react. Mm -hmm. uh, but it takes a while to get there. Yeah. And I, I'm not perfect at it. And I needed medication in order to get me to that state because my body was never going to regulate itself down on its own. It was mm -hmm. so heightened and scared. Mm -hmm. And I like I really like how you said it. And I know we have to start winding down. I hate this. Um, I wish we could talk forever. <laughs> um, but I really like how you've kind of drawn the line that just because we have physiologic responses doesn't mean there that there's something wrong with us like it's there for a reason and it's there for a smart reason really like it's all about keeping ourselves safe which at the very basis of every person you have to have personal safety before you can do anything else in life um yeah. that that really helped me so thank you for bringing that up because um it's really easy when you go to a doctor and they're like well you're just anxious to feel like you're somehow like a failure or that there's something you're doing wrong that's allowing these thoughts to occur because that's that's not the case yeah yeah no yeah it, it makes total sense for all of us and I think it just takes time it does and patience lots of patience with yourself and to forgive yourself that you may not be where you want to be but you we can do hard things. I believe that a hundred percent. I, yeah. I never thought that, um, people after my injury, I forget if I said this last time, but people would always say that, Oh my gosh, you're so brave. I look up to you so much. You're so inspiring. And I would just be like, what? I don't, all I did was survive. Like, mm -hmm. My body did everything. I was I just in the wrong anything. place at the wrong time. <laughs> uh, exactly. And then, but then I started realizing, you know what? People experience a lot of really hard things in life. People go through and experience a lot that they, it, it gave me empathy for, for a whole different group of people that I didn't know were out there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think all of this has really broadened uh, our horizons. Um, and I think this is kind of a good segue to um, Brave. So you have a label, Brave the label. Yes. And you're working on a new line, which I'm happy because I now have, I have the hoodie and I have the sweatsuit. So I need more Brave the label clothes because I bought all of them. <laughs> oh my goodness. You are the best. Um, yep. Yes. So last year during the pandemic, I started my small business, Brave the Label, out of my home. Um, I was selling tie-dye stuff, scrunchies, socks, face masks. And then we did our second drop this last year, which was, like you said, a hoodie and sweatpants and sweatshirt. And now this past year, I've been I actually realized that the producing part of the tie-dye, of me physically hand tie-dyeing every object was too much for me and trying to run the back end of the business and doing social media and all that stuff. So I'm pivoting and I'm taking my brand in a new direction. Nice but 2020 it's, it's word. kind of what I've 
Yeah, but it's kind of always what I've <laughs> envisioned for it. So coming in 2022 for Brave the Label, um, I'm really excited. I've been working on designing a whole new line um, from start to finish. I've been involved in the process and it's going to be taking our brand in a new direction Um trying to relate my personal story to the brand's message, which is I want people wearing our clothes to know that they have bravery within them already, that, and that the clothes are just an exterior reminder of how brave you are because of, we'll have inspirational words and sayings on our clothes, but that the bravery is already in you. Mm. And that's something I never knew. I'm sorry. That's what I was saying before was that people would always tell me that I was brave. And I was like, I don't know. I don't understand that. I don't feel like I did anything. But when I took a step back, I looked and looked, I, I was like, okay, I, I was brave. And, and I, I didn't know I had it in me. Mm-hmm. And so if I had a bit in me to do that and to move forward, then anybody does. It's yeah, I think we all have resiliency within ourselves that we don't give ourselves credit for. I mean, anyone that is waking up is still alive. So therefore, that takes bravery, honestly, like, especially, you know, everyone has their own set of circumstances, anything you're going through, you are brave because you're still alive. I mean, yeah, I could go on and on talking about that, but I'm not going to because I think that's pretty profound that if you're alive, you're Mm -hmm. brave. So believe it in yourself. And I can't wait to have new clothes. Um, It's a good. I'm so excited. Hopefully. (laughs) When do you hopefully think it's come coming out? out? Um, hopefully March or April. I'm I'm planning. It was supposed to be January or February, but we've had some unforeseen delays. <laughs> yes. Well, this is not going to air until March, so it's kind of probably perfect timing. Um, so everybody okay. that's here, how would they be able to find you when it does drop? How will yes, we know? So you can find me at Ellie Gargano on Instagram. I also have a website, elliegargano.com. And then you can also find Brave the Label at brave underscore the underscore label on Instagram. Um, Our website will be changing to bravethelabel.com this year. I finally got the domain right so I can switch it over. So Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. I can't wait. And um, March, just in case my husband's listening, is my birthday month. So... Maybe he could buy me some more Brave the Label because he he actually bought me some for Christmas. I'm like, I don't have the sweatpants and the sweatshirt. Yeah, (laughs) I love I saw the order come in. (laughs) And that's the other thing. "Mm -hmm." So are you going to keep up that part where you write the little note? Oh, yes, I will be still we will still have the, the um the personal touch and the message will be there. Um, it's just going to be a lot easier for me to not have to produce yeah. the stuff. Myself. Yeah. So I'm excited because I, I think it's a good opportunity for the brand to be able to grow more than I was able to by having to keep my workload manageable for me. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone looking for I'm some excited. cool clothes. I'm excited too. Yeah. Um, BraveTheLabel.com <laughs> is coming soon. And um, Brave underscore the underscore label um, on Instagram. Please do that and follow Ellie. She's an amazing follow. She has good videos. And if you see her wearing the same sweater, we now know she does not wear the same sweater every day. <laughs> I don't wear the same clothes every day. <laughs> so with that amazing revelation, I think we probably have to stop. Unfortunately, um, I know I could talk all day and I'm sure we'll be have you on in the future because it's always a good talk. Um, so thank you for coming on again today, Ellie. Thank you, Erin. It's always so great talking to you. I love catching up with you always. So you too. Thank you. All right. So this is Aaron signing out for Making Headway Podcasts. See you next time. Hi, everyone. Making Headway Podcasts is just a side project that I love. It's given me a lot of community, along with giving you guys community as well. And I really thank you for supporting me. If you'd like to do something extra, we would really appreciate it. There's a few ways you could help us out. Rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. Share us with friends, family, or anyone that you think might want to listen. 
Also, clicking on the links in our show notes for Amazon gives us just a small kickback, just enough to help pay those bills. If you wanted to do something more, which we would really appreciate, you can donate at www.makingheadwaypodcast.com. Lastly, we have a Patreon account as well. That's found at www.patreon.com slash makingheadwaypodcast. Anything you can do to support us really helps us out. Thank you so much. We really love you, listeners. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway Podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time. All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com. This podcast was recorded, mixed, and mastered with love at Stout Heart Studios. Sun rises across the ocean.